Welcome into another episode of ESPN's Ball in the Real World. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Uh, as always, for all your NBA, NBL, WNBA, WNBL news, and all the basketball around the world, keep up to date with ESPN.com.au and they will have you covered. Uh, joining us today, returning to the podcast, I don't know how I conned him into to coming back on the show, but he's a man that's been getting the job done in recent weeks with the San Antonio Spurs, that's for sure. Jock Landau, what's going on, man? Thanks for, thanks for coming back on. Appreciate you having me, man. Um, yeah, not a whole lot going on over here. Just out in uh, in freezing cold Toronto uh, in the midst of one of our longer road trips of the year, I'd say. I think it's 13 days or something like that. Um, so we're kind of in the thick of it right now with you know players going down with COVID every five seconds and people in and out of the rotation. It's, it's madness, but no, nah, loving it. Yeah, you're in Toronto right now. I think you've got Boston, Philadelphia on this trip as well. I don't know, I don't know who, else you, who else you've got, but the January... Brooklyn and New York. So January East Coast road trip, probably not ideal timing, particularly when you're, you're just getting settled in, in Texas there, probably used to some <laughs> not, nice, beautiful weather. Yeah, man. Uh, Texas has been great for me and, me and my girlfriend. Uh, India, <laughs> we've, we've settled in really well. Loving every second of it. The hot weather is a change uh, in my career, having been in Serbia and Lithuania. So year-round hot weather is something that we're, we're welcoming, welcoming with open arms. And I think she's in Denver right now and up in the snow, just like here in Toronto, freezing cold. And we've both just been on, on the phone <laughs> to each other. Like, we really, really miss that Texas sun. So... Nah, it's been great. The city is, uh, you know, it's it suits us. Um, it's it's beautiful. Uh, yeah, I, I can't can't put a you know a wrong foot down in, in, in San Antonio. I'm loving every second. So we're going to get to more interesting stuff than this because I know everyone's sick of hearing about it. But you mentioned COVID, and clearly, right now for teams trying to work their way through this, this is absolute chaos. Uh, you had your own stint in the protocols, health and safety protocols, back early in the season, early November, is around November 10, I believe. Uh, just for you personally, and I know that it's always been changing, but how did you manage that situation? Keeping in mind uh, that this was in your first few weeks of the season, you're trying to get settled, you're trying to find your way with the team, and then you have this time away. Yeah. Uh, I was actually really concerned at that point. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I'd just come off like a pretty decent preseason with them. Um, you know, I had a few good games there. In spot minutes, like I wasn't, you know, they had no idea who I was uh, really. You know, this is the first time they've put eyes on me. So I was just getting some spot minutes in preseason. I had felt like I had three or two and a half decent games. And then I went down with the concussion first off. And that, that enough, you know, speaking of Delhi, I, I felt for him, man. It was like, it's, it's actually really scary when you get him because you don't know what the time frame will be. And every day you kind of go in and you try something and it gets worse. So you have to take a step back for two days and then you go and try again and it just go. So then it was that followed by, you know, three, three weeks around the team. And I was just starting to get back to feeling like, okay, I can contribute again. And then hit with COVID. So at that point in time, I was like, I was feeling a little helpless and, and uh, you know, just feeling like I wasn't, wasn't feeling up to scratch just because I'd been sitting around in my apartment for five weeks, literally like when you've got a concussion, you can't do anything. And then when you have COVID, you're not, you, you can't really do anything either if you've got symptoms. So I tell you to keep your heart rate really low. So I was, uh, I was struggling with just not being able to feel like I was getting better or, or kind of capitalizing on the opportunity. And then experiencing those first couple of weeks after the concussion, uh, 
you know, not playing at all, I was like, far out, like, this is just going to set me back even further. So there was a, there was a period of time there where I was a little bit uh, antsy and, you know, a little bit uh, concerned for what the future would look like with the club. Um, and, you know, they, they never alluded to anything along those lines because all they saw was me doing my job and getting hit with these really unlucky, you know, injuries or whatever you want to call them with COVID and concussion. So, uh, the best thing I could really do was just, you know, view it as some time to rest, uh, you know, three years and three years straight of off seasons full on with World Cups and Olympics and, and, and full on seasons just trying to prove myself, summer leagues, all that. So it almost felt like it was a, it was a forced rest for my body that I didn't take after the Olympics. Even. I think I had like six days in LA and then I was like, all right, I've just got to get back on court and make sure I capitalize on this opportunity. So. I was, you know, it was probably just what I needed uh, in, in the long run. But at the same time, you know, you're brand new in a situation. You really want to make the most of it. And I felt like I was, you know, getting left further and further behind. And, and that was a tough space to navigate. Yeah. Last time you came on the show, you were in LA and you were about to, you hadn't actually gone to San Antonio yet. You were about to do so. So how have you, you just sort of alluded to it, but how have you managed with the, I guess the anxiety or the stress because when I before we started recording I asked you and I said what's NBA life and uh, what's NBA life like and you you had a smile on your face but I imagine there is a lot of stress and this is a something you've been working for your whole life but b something you want to make the most of and you don't want to uh, you know put a foot wrong and not necessarily that it was your fault but how are you managing all the mental stuff well I mean you know the first thing that I'm uh, I'm good at is is not bottling it up i mean uh, any chance i get to kind of uh talk to my psychologist talk to uh my, my partner in india um you know today i was talking with my strength coach uh kelly forbes who's turned into one of my good mates here um you know i just i, I really try and talk it out and, and hash it out with people who uh have probably you know nothing really to to, to benefit or gain uh, or lose in, in me just voicing an opinion to them. So I really just try and find unbiased people to kind of, you know, get things off my chest to and who will give me an honest answer from, you know, uh, an educated but outside perspective um, where they can hold me accountable and, and, and tell me if I'm being silly or tell me if there's some valid concerns, I suppose. So I really try and talk things over with, with those, with those three people, um, you know, fr whatever, whatever it is, frustrations, uh, you know, concerns, um, you know, managing, uh, expectations, all of that, because I would say that like, you know, seven, eight weeks ago, if you asked me what I was worried about, it was, will I ever play? Then you asked me two weeks ago, what I was worried about. It was, am I going to get my second contract? Now it's like, okay, you know, I've had these blinder over two weeks. Can I continue it? So it's like, I never really get away from some kind of anxiety or stress. It's just, you know, managing expectations and, 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 you know, trying to just focus on it from, at, from the point of like a, which is, might be a little bit cliche or something that people don't like to hear, but it's just like day by day, you've got to really just take it day by day. So um, when I start to get too far out in front of myself and focus on things like my second contract, which isn't for another year and a half, um, you know, that's, that obviously turns into a bit of a crap show, uh, crap show, but 
um, yeah, it's really just trying to focus on the next game. Uh, you know, I'm still work, it's a, that's a work in progress. You know, I'm no expert at it, but you know, I'm I'm, I'm also I think that my approach works really well for me and that I just verbalize my concerns and a lot of people won't do that. They'll you know, kind of bottle stuff up and, and just kind of, you know, bathe in it. But I'm the opposite. I just try and get things off my mind out in the open and, and then go from there. So that's the best way I can really put it to you. Have you always been like that? Because that's not necessarily easy to do. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I would say for the most part, you know, my parents brought me up like that. Like uh, it, it probably started with them, you know, especially when I was in high school, you know, going through, you know, things that every, every kid goes through, like bullying, for example. My parents would be like, well, why don't you just fire back and say something to them? Like that's probably the best way you can do it is just be like, yo, like, you know, don't just sit there and take it. So in me being having parents who were just like, hey, don't bottle this stuff up. Tell us what's going on. Tell them to bugger off, whatever it might be. Um, I just started like verbalizing literally everything. For, and I think it got to a point where I became so comfortable with who I was and what my opinions were and stuff like that, that I was never shy to really express those, uh, those opinions. And, and then it, it kind of just kept building. Like in college, I started having a coach that valued my, my say and he was pushing me and egging me on to be a leader. So over time, I've just gradually grown into this person who, uh, who really just verbalizes everything that he's feeling. And, um, you know, it's working really well for me, you know, on the court and off the court. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm someone that just communicates as much as I can. So as far as the basketball perspective, and you sort of went through the, the quick timeline there of what you've seen in San Antonio. So we, uh, and by the way, if anyone hasn't watched the jump at 7 p.m. Friday nights at ESPN, I, I'm like a role player jock, but Gazy's on there. He's the star of the show. Leonard Copeland's on there. Nat Edwards, and Nat Edwards steers the ship. But we were discussing when you first got assigned to Austin and, and both myself and Gazy were very strong that this isn't a bad thing necessarily because he's hardly played. This is going to give you an opportunity to get some minutes. So yeah. for you, in terms of how you process that and what the, the team told you and what the expectations were, can you just run us through um, what that period looked like for you? Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, first thing, first thing that really came to my mind was, uh, and again, you know, I'm not someone who will, who will hide how I'm feeling. But the first thing was like, what the hell is going on? Like, is this, is this the end? Like, I was, I was rattled. I won't lie with you. But that was on initially just like hearing that I was going to the G League. And I was like, what, what's going on? Like, you know, on the phone to my agent. And luckily I have an unbelievable agent who puts up with so much of my crap. And I know that Sammy will probably tell you that he's sick of me by now. But um, yeah, he was like, look, like this is, we, we kind of expected that something like this would happen. And he reminded me that before the season, he was like, well, if, if they send you to the G League to perform, and remind them why you're why they signed you. Will you do it? And I was like, absolutely, like no brainer. I will, I will 100 go there if that's what it takes, just to get on court and become a regular rotational player. Um, so he kind of remind reminded me that you know I was actually I was on the way to the game, and he calls me. He's like, hey, they're going to send you to the G League tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. You got to have your bags packed to fly to Dallas or whatever. And it was just like all happening in the span of five seconds. So. I was like, initially it was uh, disappointment and frustration. And then he reminded me, I was like, hey, 
listen, I'm, again, this is a guy that holds me accountable to things that I say. He was like, you said that you'd do this and you weren't going to piss and moan if this happened. And at that point, I was like, no, you're right. Like, this is this is good for me. This will work out in the long run. I've got to go do this. So um, I was kind of in and out of just a little confusion and frustration for the next 24 hours. Uh, but again, I just I kept reminding myself, like, no, this is going to work out. This is going to work out. Just having that self-belief, um, you know, probably helped me the most and and that I went into that first game with the mindset of all right well I've got to go tear this thing up like I can't I can't give these guys another excuse to to not bring me back and and not give me minutes and I feel like that's kind of the battle I've been fighting for the past you know three years you know like people always being like ah you know he's he's not good enough to be here uh, because of x y and z and so I kind of mentally saw that as them and I don't know if this is what the Spurs were thinking, but I saw that mentally kind of went back to like my old lessons. And I was like, no, nah, they're going to, they're trying to find another excuse to get you out of here. So you've got to step it up. Um, so that first game I went in and crushed. And then the second one, uh, which not many people know about, I had an unbelievably bad migraine going into that second game to the point where when I get migraines and some of the guys at United and stuff will know this, but when I get migraines, I can't see. So my, I lose my vision for 30 minutes as people do. And so I was sitting there in the hallway before this G League game with a towel over my head, just trying to get my vision back. And I got my vision back maybe three minutes before the ball was being tipped up. So I went out there in that first half. I mean, you go back and watch the game. It's like, I'm, I'm not great. I'm like really, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing like glazy things everywhere and it was real weird. And then uh, the GM came to me and he was like, and uh, before the game, he's like, look, don't be a hero. Like, we don't need you to play this game. You've done what you needed to do, blah, blah, blah. And in my mind, I was like, no, nah, like, screw that. I've come all the way to Dallas and missed being on the floor with the boys back in San Antonio to play these two games. So I promise you I'm going to be out there playing this second game and yet again showing them, hey, this is why I should be on the court with those fellas. Um, so my agent Sammy was really pissed off at me after the game because I texted him right before the game and I was like dude I'm getting a migraine and he was like well he didn't actually say anything um, because I texted him saying I was going to play through it uh, but after like he watched the first quarter and apparently he was in the office with the other guys like I don't understand why he'd play after he's just done such a good job and blah 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 anyways I ended up having a really good second half and all as well and we won so uh yeah, I mean, that was kind of the mindset is like, just just take away any and all excuses for them not to put you on that court with, with, with the Spurs. So across those two games, for those that, that didn't uh, get to catch this, 27 points, seven rebounds, four assists. So I'm um, fair to say, even though that's something that we weren't quite aware of in terms of how you were feeling, you still put up those numbers across those two games, you go back up. But the last couple of seasons when I, when I was talking to players that were sort of on the fringe and not necessarily getting minutes, a frustration of theirs was that they didn't have the G League there. So it might not have been something that you enjoyed at the time and probably no one really wants to go down there. But mm. do you act, did you feel that actually getting that five-on-five five against an opposition that, that isn't the Spurs in scrimmaging ultimately was, was beneficial for you? 100%. Um... It was good for just my mental state as well. It was, gave me an outlet to go and really just get out some frustration that I wasn't playing and and play hard and you know remind myself how awesome this this game is that we play and um, you know 
playing for a win. And, you know, this is what I said to my, to, you know, my people when I came out of that game is like, damn, I just missed playing for like a win or a loss. And I know that that's might be cliche, but, you know, when you come in at the end of those games and it's a blowout and you kind of scrape through with some minutes, it's like you're playing for yourself at that point. You're not really playing for the team or for, or for a win or a loss because the game's already set in stone. So just getting out there and kind of doing that and reminding myself how much I just enjoyed doing that and, and playing for a win was so important for me. And it gave me a good, really good confidence boost coming back to the big team of like, Hey, like I can really like I can go at this level, even though the G League's not the NBA. I was like, well, I've just you know missed three shots over two games. Like I definitely can still go. And then just you know the the physical part of it, you know, getting up and down, playing a little bit more, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I needed that. I needed to get out there and play some five on five, and, and that's you know where I excel. It was in the the weeks after that, and you already alluded to some of the performances you had, but it was a game against the Clippers. And I missed the start of this game. And I remember checking the box score at quarter time. And I'm like, Jock's got eight points. He's been getting it for first quarter minutes. Okay, let's go. What did you, leading up to that game or once you came back from the G League, what was the conversations like with the staff in terms of potentially getting an opportunity? And I know right now that with rosters and stuff, everything's in flux. There's guys in and out of the lineup. But, but how did that uh, lead into this stretch? We had that, those eight points, then you had the 13-point game, then the big 18-point the big game a couple of nights later. Uh, to be honest with you, mate, it was about five words. Uh, <laughs> we were we were playing against Utah, where I got my first lot of meaningful minutes of the year, and all that was said after was we came out of a halftime, and Nelly Matt Nielsen, fellow Australian, who's been massive for me by the way, he's unbelievable to have at the Spurs. Uh, he just came up to me and was like, "Get yourself ready, you're going to be first big off the bench," and that's the rest is history honestly so um you know don't really have any conversations it's and i think that's probably one of the biggest lessons i've i've had to learn through this period is just the ultimate professional has to just be ready at all times um and you know i've been you know smart enough and and uh, disciplined enough to stay ready and not get too high or too low even when i wasn't playing that you know when that opportunity arose i was ready to roll and but i will say that that was probably the second most nervous I've ever been for a game in my entire life. And it was like, cause I was sitting there half goes by and I'm like, like another DNP or whatever it is. And, and then all of a sudden I get this, Hey, be ready. You're going to be first big off the bench. And I was like, oh, what, what the hell's going on? Like you know, I <laughs> yeah. started getting so freaked out, but uh, you know, I just went in there and played hard and, and, you know, kind of figured out that that's all I got to do is just play 110% every night and, and things will work my way. So uh, a lot of the times uh, people wouldn't want to admit this, but you, you were just pretty open about the fact that you had a moment there where you were just like, okay, now I've got to be ready to play. This is, I'm going to be on an NBA four. Uh, has yep. there been any other, whether it was when you first showed up to San Antonio or whatever it may be, where there has been like a, a holy moment where it's like, okay, uh, <laughs> I'm in an NBA system or I'm not on an NBA floor or this guy's standing next to me, anything like that? Yeah, probably the Lakers uh, when we played them in LA. Uh, and, you know, they've got all these, you know, top 75 players of all time on their <laughs> team and stuff like that. But, you know, it's not so much that. I'm not, I don't get too concerned with, with the matchups, knowing that it's a team sport and there's coverages to help everyone out, blah, blah, blah. But the, the environment that the Lakers provide 
I'd never experienced, I'd never seen anything like it before. Like it is a show. And so that, that part of things was like kind of overwhelming. Luckily I had a great game, but um, like that was like, I was like, whoa, like this is the NBA. Like I've never seen anything like, like they've got this chihuahua, like crawling around this man's <laughs> body. And there's all these like celebrities in the front row and blah, and it was just like, what the hell is going on? So um, you know, that stuff doesn't, I don't really care too much about that stuff, but that was probably the only other time in terms of just like the bright lights where I was like, well, this is crazy. Yeah, I've said this before, covering games at Staples, it's sometimes I find myself like get halfway through the game and I'm like, okay, I should start watching some basketball now. There's, there's, <laughs> too, much, there's too much other stuff going on that's distracting you or like you said, celebrities and that sort of stuff. As yeah. far as your role in the offense, last time we spoke, we, we discussed how it changes from Melbourne to the boomers and now um, watching you and you playing in San Antonio. And if you look, and again, you've played 138 total minutes, 90 points, 60% from the field and 50% from three. You've been super efficient when you've been out there. And a lot yeah. of it is open threes and then roll into the basket and particularly pushing in transition. But how does it differ? And then how do you get yourself in that mindset again, where it's like, okay, um, when I get these looks, it's, it's, it's effort, it's rolling, getting to the right spots and these guys mm. will find me. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know you're yeah pretty much everything you said man like i i really try and simplify it down to just start the games by by crashing the offensive glass as hard as i can i don't really worry about the defensive glass if i'm completely honest with you because i know guys coming in every possession to try and swoop those things up so i really just try and take the you know dwight howards off the glass as best as i can because they're such elite athletic rebounders and whatnot so but I just try and I really try and crash the offensive glass as hard as I can, run as hard as I can in transition and stick to our principles defensively and let everything else take care of itself. Um, I think playing hard is, is what my career will be. You know, I'm not, I'm not gifted enough athletically to 60% a game ever. Um, and th there have been moments already where, you know, my foot's not fully down the gas and, and I've been exposed. So, uh, I have to just play at 110% constantly. Um, I would actually say that I need to be a little bit more aggressive in, in, in scoring and, and Pops kind of alluded to that. Uh, you know, he dragged me off one game and he was like, we need you to shoot those shots. And he was like, gone are the days where it's a wide open three or you move the ball. Like it's not, and that's what it is in Europe. Like if you shoot a, like a reasonably contested three, it's a bad shot. You cannot waste possessions out there. And I felt like at Melbourne, I was playing that way a little bit as well as, you know, I wasn't putting up 20 shots a game. It was kind of like 10 to 13 or, and just being efficient in that. Um, but these guys out here, they play a different style. So, you know, my, the staff's been on me about, you know, given that I'm shooting 50 something percent from three, they're like, yeah, we need, to we need you to shoot more of those. Like until that, until you start missing them all, like shoot them all. So <laughs> And the team, the boys are on me as well. Uh, you know, they, they have great confidence in me uh, in terms of scoring and whatnot. So um, that's my job. My job is to just play hard, get offensive rebounds, keep the ball alive, which I think I've done a really good job of and, and you know, start probably pinging a few more threes. So <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. But uh, it's a really enjoyable job, man. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving my role. And, you know, I, I feel like it's a role that I could excel in for a long time. So you mentioned Pop. So you went from Gorge, the Australian legend, to Pop, the, well, I don't want to just say US, a global coaching legend. And then a lot of people from the outside will say, well, Pop's intimidating. He's the, this, is a, this is the case with him. Uh, he would be a scary coach to play for. 
Uh, well, how have you found pop? I have to ask this question. Well, I just want to take it back a step. My, my, my string of coaching coaches that I play <laughs> for has been like right. legendary. I had Andrea Trincheri, who is a, like Italian bloke who is a European legend. I had Saras Yesikavichis, European legend. Then I go to Dino, who's an NBL legend, Gorge, and now Pop. It's, <laughs> I've had, I don't know, I've lucked out with the coaches. My run of, of coaches has been sensational. Um, but yeah, he's he's intense, man. Uh, he really is. Uh, he he demands um, the, your best every single night. Uh, and and, and you got to give it to him. So... Uh, he cares a lot about things off the court as well, though. It's not just basketball with him. Uh, it's, you know, political issues. I think one of the first sessions on uh, that we had with the team, I had to I had to present like a little two-minute speech about this Joe Biden, uh, um, $2 trillion bill that was, you know, passed in America for infrastructure and such. So I had to actually come in with a little presentation and talk to the group about it and educate them on what was going on. So it's so much more than just basketball. Uh, you know, he's always quizzing us about issues in the world. Um, just trying to really, you know, broaden our, uh, broaden our knowledge on, on things greater than basketball. And, and, you know, that's, that's kind of cool to see from, from a guy of his, of his stature and, uh, cause he could easily come in and just make everything about basketball, given that that's our jobs, but he tries to make it so much more, you know, um, He's, he's huge with, you know, families and stuff as well. I know that he has great relationships with a lot of players, wives and, and, and families and a lot of the coaches as well. So uh, he's an incredible bloke and, uh, you know, loving being around him and, and kind of getting to grace myself with his presence, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, well, you talk about the off-court stuff and that's why I think, you know, him and Patty have had such a, a close and, and obviously long relationship when he was with the Spurs. But speaking of the other Aussies around the NBA, I know previously talking to the guys and you, you might have a group chat or you'll text and obviously you'll see each other super briefly if you're on the road and you, and you happen to go against these teams. Um, how, how have you found that, that experience being one of, one of the boys in the NBA, I guess, and then going through stuff that a lot of these guys have gone through in, in previous years? Yeah, it's cool. Uh, I mean, they've been the, the guys have been super uh helpful just trying to like help me find my feet uh you know when i when i wasn't playing it was you know bogues joe patty stay the course head down just you know as patty likes to say get in the vortex and just you know just stay there and don't worry about all the outside noise and then when i started playing and playing well it was you know nothing changes head down keep doing what you're doing routine consistent all of that. So, you know, I've just, I've been, it's, it's cool to be a, a part of it. Uh, but, you know, again, they've been great and just trying to teach me like, Hey, you know, you're in the NBA, but who cares? Like it's, it's just, it's basketball. Like you just got to be consistent in who you are as a person and how you approach the game, all of that. And and that's one of the biggest things I, I learned from Bogues is don't let this change you. And I won't, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that because I know I've got the right family and friends around me who won't let me change. But he's also been, I mean, I'll credit Bogues with a lot to be honest with you, but he's also been massive in that, you know, little pieces of advice, like 90 minutes before every session, be there, same routine every day and just like nail in on that and, and, and don't change that because 
when things go good, when things go bad, you know, you can't really control if the ball goes in the hole. You can shoot it, but, you know, you can't control it. Otherwise, were, some people would make 100% of their shots. But he was just like, keep that routine consistently and it, the rest will take care of itself. And that's what I've, I've found comfort in is just turning myself into a really routine-based person and, um, you know, not moving off that, that trajectory too much. So a couple of quick ones to finish up here. And you mentioned Dean already and Melbourne have had a decent start to the season. I know it's difficult yep. when you're over there trying to keep up with everything that's going on, but you're always tweeting about it. Um, the, the, banner, the banner ceremony, you're, you're about a week early there, but you're very excited for, <laughs> for, for, for that to go up. Uh, are you keeping an eye on Melbourne? Are you talking to those guys there? And, and I guess Absolutely. you've already spoken about how much you appreciate uh, that season with those guys. Um, but yep. uh, it, it obviously means a lot to you. Yeah, it does. Uh, they were they were one of the biggest parts of my career to get to this point. Um, you know, they got me out of Europe and and turned essentially turned my career back into the right direction uh, contractually, even as a player. And they gave me opportunities beyond belief. So I, I I'm so thankful for my time at Melbourne. And you know, without them in the NBL, like I don't know if I would be here. You know, I could be still out in Europe or or somewhere else. Um, but yeah, no, I keep up with them a lot. I text Dino, uh, you know, once every couple of weeks. Uh, I'm always talking to Chris and Barlow, of you know, with some of my best mates. Um, even you know, I speak to Whitey. So um, you know, checking in on him and his return with the Achilles has been, you know, I've just been trying to be there, and I know how much of a perfectionist he is. So I'm just trying to tell him to slow things down and, and take his time. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I will keep up with them for a very, very long time. I'm, I'm, I'm loyal to the uh, Melbourne United and, and want the best for them. And even though they had they had a little bit of a slow start, I think they're starting to hit their straps and uh, they're figuring out where they want to go and, and how they want their team to look. So I think there's exciting things ahead for them. And I think I don't know if people have necessarily counted them out. I haven't really been keeping up too much with you know the media presence in terms of who's going to win the championship. But you know I think that there is a really good chance when they get all their players back to full strength that they can go back to back. I think this is actually a serious question. Who gets more fired up, Dean or Pop? Because it seems like it could be close. <laughs> Oof. Or Gorge. Yeah, uh, right, right. <laughs> I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> I think they all get fired up in their own unique ways, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't give you a winner right now. I'd have to think about that. Maybe go back and watch some... Uh, watch some times that they've gone crazy and, and then I could give you an answer. But yeah, they all go hard, which is great. So it's a little bit unfair. We don't get pop marked up. I don't think that uh, NBA coaches would agree to that. Uh, one guy I, I did want to ask you about, Dwight Breath, uh, super quickly, you got to spend time with him uh, with the, the Olympic team. And yep. speaking, to, speaking to a lot of guys that are around, they said, well, we didn't really know what, what we were getting. We came in, we saw what the, the talent that he did have. He's dominated the NBL so far. Yeah. Um, with Illawarra does that surprise you what did you see were you surprised how much did you know about him I know you've both been over the other side of the world playing for, yeah, for a number played, of years we played played against each other a couple of times so I kind of knew what uh, what he was um, you know I think that those those European numbers are always a bit skewed in terms of what you really bring as a player especially in these leagues like Australia and the NBA but um, man he's he, he's got it all he's I think that he's deserves and belongs over here. I think he will be here in a very short amount of time. Um, but 
like such a humble bloke, such a great guy. Uh, me and me and Greeny, I mean, actually, they've been trying to get me on to a, a group FaceTime with him, <laughs> with him and Josh Green, but I reckon I've missed about seven of those calls. So uh, I, I should catch up with the big fella soon. But man, I, I love him. I love his game. He's tough. Uh, he's tough. He can shoot it. He can rebound. He can defend. I think he's a high, a high will be a highly sought after player and. It's no surprise that he's doing what he's doing in the NBL. Um, you know, I would have loved to play against him last year, so he should have come back last year. But uh, yeah, no, it was you know really it's really good to see him doing what he's doing, and I think he's got big big plans ahead. All right, as we wrap it up, the Spurs are fourteen and twenty-one. You're actually only half a game out of a playing spot, and it does really feel that the last couple of weeks you've started to to figure it out on both ends. It's a super young team. There's some new faces in there. Is that the way it feels for you guys? Do you go? Do you feel like it is trending in the right direction? One hundred percent. I think that a lot of us feel as though we could be winning a lot of these games that we drop, and and that we should be, you know, even higher than a playing playing spot. So. Um, you know, we've we've unluckily, you know, hit some COVID problems here. Uh, and, you know, we haven't really put it together on a consistent basis. But I think that we have a really talented young team that one day soon will, you know, the ball will drop and things will really start going on our, going our way and hopefully we get on a bit of a tear. But, um, yeah, man, I, I, there's some really exciting young prospects on this team. You know, we're led by DJ, who's a, a beast and a handful and himself. In himself and then we have a bunch of really key you know young core pieces around so i think that uh you know i think this year we will be able to make some waves down the end of this uh end of the stretch and towards the you know playoff time and see what happens but you know i think there's a pretty pretty bright future in uh coming up for the, the spurs as well and i hope and i'm excited to be a part of it love it mate i know you've got a meeting here so we won't we won't get you in trouble with with coffee aerial appreciate never, it i've already messed that up once so never again <laughs> oh really there's what's what's the punishment is there a fine what's the nah there was no fine i was i was i was late to a video session because one of my covid swabs right. like two days right. ago came right. back as inconclusive okay i was i felt very guilty walking in let me tell you so yeah all right, well, let's wrap it up then. Let's get you out of here. We appreciate it though, man. Like I said, um, you're always quick to respond to me. I, I really appreciate it. It's always fun talking to you. Uh, make sure you stay healthy, stay safe. Yes, sir. And everyone over here is really, like I said, loving watching the Spurs. So um, we're enjoying that. Appreciate it, man. All the best. Thank you.